What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Nomex Effect show. I'm Sean Langdon. JR Todd. We got the champ. The champ is on. With the champ. Yes, but the newly crowned Mellow Yellow Top Fuel Funny Car champion, J.R. Todd. It's got a good ring to it, huh? I like it. It's badass, man. <laughs> I mean, everyone's on here on Facebook Live saying, what's up, champ? Yeah, that's the weird part. Like, doing TV interviews and radio interviews here this past week and people saying that, it uh, takes some getting used to. Yeah, but it's cool though. I like it, dude. It's awesome, man. You, ah, what a, what an incredible run. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny because I, I, as much as we're out there and racing and everything, you, you you go week to week. But when they started talking about the stats of the run that you guys got on since Indy, basically, or even what Brainerd, Brainerd, you you guys went you went to, we went the, to semi. the semis there. Yep. Right. So basically, Brainerd, all the way through the finals. You didn't have anything less than a semifinal, if I, if I'm. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Which so you, I, I lost count on that. So you went semis and Brainerd, one Indy. Yep. And then went to Reading. W- what'd you? We won there. Yeah, one Reading. And then went from there to St. Louis, and that's remember we had that cracked header, and we had a fuel leak and smoked the tires in the semis. Right. Like, I feel like we could have easily gone to the finals there and probably would have won the race well and that was the semis that you ran tim tim wilkerson correct and he smoked the tires and you guys both smoked the tires right. and then that and then, was yeah and then robert. robert had his problems in the final like he didn't make a good run either right so that was a an, an opportunity there for another win and then you go after that and then you go to uh what was it dallas dallas lost the final to, to uh robert then we went to charlotte Lost in the final to Caps. And then won the last two. Yep. Dude, what a, that's an incredible run. I mean, in, with how tough the funny car competition is, there's not many easy rounds. I mean, there's there's some rounds that you kind of, you know, you get some breaks here and there, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot that were given to you. I mean, you, you like, flat earned. Yeah, I mean, up until... Vegas, I'm like, man, it would be nice if we could get some help with Robert. Right. I mean, he red lit in the semis in Redding. Correct. But other than that, like, he was on a roll. And, you know, Del Worsham was texting me after, uh, I think, the Dallas race. He's like, you guys are in a good position, you know, like, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, it'd be nice to get some help, though, along the way. He's like, you don't get any help. Like, you're going to have to go through him. And then I was like. Shit, man! Like he's fifty points up. That's gonna be hard to make up if he keeps if we both keep going to the finals like this. Right. And yeah. Because I mean, you're only getting twenty points at that point. Right. right. Then, lo and behold, you know, he uh, he went out second round, Charlotte. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think he went out second round. I can't remember, but we narrowed the gap there, and then Vegas. Big help from you guys first round. Like that, oh, was, that was huge. I freaking hail married that one. That was awesome. Right? Yeah. And then, like, we, to me, I felt like once that happened, like, <coughs> we needed to win the race to get max points because I didn't want to leave there being, you know, 50 whatever up. Right. Like, 70 makes it three rounds he's got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. I remember that, that, that first round. <clears throat> and, uh, 
I mean, going into the weekend, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about scenarios and how does this play out and, you know, what, what's it going to take for us to, you know, get you around Robert and, and then it just like, you know, we, that's what we talked about is we wanted the, the, it to be in our hands and we want to be able to, you know, try to somehow get Robert and funny how it played out that I ended up having to run him first round. But I remember like thinking about it like the night before and I'm pumped up and I go to bed and I'm pumped up. I really can't even sleep because I'm so excited. Like, man, I could give Jr. such a good opportunity here if I could take out Robert and then wake up the next morning and I'm pumped up. And then it kind of like hits me. We start getting strapped in and everything. I'm sitting in the car and all of a sudden I just like, I get those like nervous chills right. that come through your, your body. And then you're sitting in the car and you can like trying to take these deep breaths, but you feel your heart like beating out of your chest. <laughs> and then I remember thinking like, man, I'm, I'm freaking nervous. I haven't been nervous for a run since probably 2013. And I remember sitting in the car and I'm like, I just don't mess this up for Jr. man. Just don't mess this up. And, and, uh, and I remember, you know, kind of doing every once the car starts, of course, all that goes out the window right. and you don't even think about it. But I remember like when I hit the gas and I seen his bulbs go out before mine on the pre-stage and stage. And I remember just that little feeling of like that. Oh, shit feeling. I'm thinking, oh, no, Robert just treed me. And then we're going down through the finish line and and I'm trying not to cheat and peek over. Right. But you don't see him. But exactly. You don't see him. So you're thinking like. Oh man, is he is he there? Is he there? And then I go to the finish line and see the wind line, and I'm just like, oh, I was just I was more excited for. Uh, I mean, obviously that that was a point of it was to win for you, but I was I was just the whole time thinking, don't mess this up for Jr. And it's not <laughs> only just for Jr. but all your your whole team and DHL and all your spot. Right? Like, yeah, Coletta as a whole. You yeah, know? man. And like, it's not like for those listening that we could ever plan that. It's like, hey, we're gonna sandbag qualifying with Sean's car so he can line up with Robert. Like that's damn near impossible to do. Right. It's like, just, it, just how it, worked it worked out. out. And yeah, like to what you're saying, being nervous, like that was the first time all year long that I got nervous first round. Like we're running uh Richard Townsend. Like, man, this is pretty big. Like we can't afford to lose first round now. Like we've come this far. We're however many back 10 points or whatever back. Like, Big round right here. Like, if we lose, Robert goes on to win the race. Like, it's going to be tough then. So, I was pretty nervous. And then once you get past first round, like, nerves are gone at that point. Like, it's, like, you're in work mode after that. But, like, even then, like, I was sleeping good and all that and what have you. Go on and win Vegas. You got a 74-point lead, I think it is. But still, it's like, that's not enough going into Pomona when it's points and a half. Points and a half, Robert Height, Jimmy Proc. Exactly. I've seen, like, those things play out before, like Tony Schumacher and Dougie, you know, like the perfect storm. So, like, I'm thinking about that all week long. People are like, yeah, man, you're on the cusp of a championship, and people call me champ. I'm like, man, just stop. (laughs) I don't want to hear about any of that right now. And then I, like, I slept okay when I was here at home, but... Saturday night in Pomona, like, I didn't sleep for shit. Right. Like, that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, man, like, this feeling kind of sucks. Like, like you're just ready to go. Well, you, you, it was funny how you, how you described it because you, you said you, you went to bed at, you know, a, 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 an appropriate time. Yeah, I was nine, like 10, 1030. Right, okay. And then you, you wake up 
and you think you have a full night's sleep and you wake up to kind of get out of bed to get ready to go to the track. And what time was that? Yeah, I woke up, you know, had to get up, take a pee, which you do in the morning. Right. Look at the clock. It's 10 till 2. I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) This Uh, is going to be bad. And I just laid there the rest of the morning, like, toss and turn, like, dozed off here and there, but not really slept. Like, it was uh, was nerve-wracking. But to back up, like, going into Pomona, you know, there's, like I said, a lot of talk, this and that. Then we go out there Friday and, like, struggle like we did in Vegas on Friday. Not as bad because we had, like, mechanical problems in Vegas but uh, Pomona, just the conditions were weird and the track was weird. Right. There weren't a lot of cars that got down. You guys got down. But, like, there weren't that many good runs Friday. There was a couple. But uh, we just missed it. And I think we ended up qualifying 11th. And Robert, you know, he's in top five, I think it was. It's like, oh, man, here we go. Then Saturday, come out, make a, a good run. I think we went 95 or 93, something like that. And then the conditions got way better as the session went on for Q4 and throw down at 89. I'm like, oh, man, like, we're in good shape now. Like, that that yes. got me pretty pumped up. Right, right. So, I mean, kind of like for a lot of the people, obviously, you know, you you the emotions that you experience through this whole thing and going dating back, I mean, like, how far back was it where it kind of started hitting you where it's like, you kind of go for – I mean, you've been in positions before where you've made good runs at the end of the year. I mean, that one year with Connie, you guys made a good run, finished second. And- right. It's not like we were ever in title contention that year. It was the first year I drove for him, 2014. It's just like we finished good and ended up second, you know. Right. So uh, at what point in this car did it kind of click in your head where you're just thinking like, okay, not only do I think we can make a championship run, but like we could probably win the whole thing. Well – when in Indy, after the way we struggled all summer long, like, I thought that was big. I mean, I keep saying over and over, like, I knew at Indy Test, like, that we had a good car that could go in there and compete with everybody at Indy. And sure enough, we, number one qualifier, win Indy. I'm like, all right. Like, I achieved my goal of going in the countdown number five. Like, that, I wanted to be in the top five because, you know, it, it's really hard to come from the back. Mm-hmm. To make a run at the championship, like Tim Wilkerson did an awesome job at it this year, but it's right. really tough just because you set yourself so far back from the the leaders that at least top five is like feasible. You can you can do that. You you can maybe make a mistake or two, right? But when you're coming from eight to ten, you got to win. You just flat have to win, right? Yeah, you can't afford to make any mistakes, right? So then we go to uh, Reading. And win the race and took over the points lead. That's when it hit me. I'm like, dude, like, we can make a run at this now. Like, I felt right then and there. I'm like, we can definitely compete with these guys and have a shot at winning this thing. And I knew that Wilkerson at that point, like, he was going to be a contender coming from the back. And he was up until, uh, you know, there at the end, wherever he stumbled. But, yeah, I felt like after Redding that, that we definitely had a shot at, uh, at, at winning the thing. So do you think it like once that kind of kicked in your head of, you know, I, I've always said that I think there's there's two types of drivers is there's there's the drivers uh, that are, are content and then there's the drivers that are just aggressive. Right. So I, I would kind of classify you like as an aggressive driver. But do you think at any point during that run, you kind of change from like maybe an aggressive driver of where 
I have to be able to cut a light and try to win this thing on a whole shot too. Like, man, don't mess up. Like, just this is an uh, this is an acceptable light. Yeah, you know what's weird is I never really try to have that mentality. Like, okay, I'm gonna be comfortable up here and just go crack the tree, not really get after it, but just have a so so light. But like in Dallas, like I had a I don't know something stupid like a thirty something or a forty something light, which it's damn near impossible to do in a funny car. Like, just caught it right, whatever. And then in the final, like, I had an 80 against Robert. Like, that pissed me off bad. It's like, dude, you can't be winning countdown races cutting shitty lights like that <laughs> when he's over there going 060. Like, yes. you're not going to beat him right. like that. So, like, that made me mad. Then Kind of lit a little fire under Exactly. You. Came home and, like, went back to work at Pit Fit. We did some more reaction time stuff. And I feel like from then on, like, I told myself, like, I'm not going to lose like that. I don't, I don't want to be the reason that we don't win because I have a shitty light. To where I felt like if I'd had that light that I had against TJ or whatever it was against Robert, it would have been a hell of a race, even though he outran us. But, like, I could have tried to make up that difference. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing is maintaining when you have that good of a race car. And I give you know, like you, a lot of credit. I give guys like Robert Hyde a lot of credit, but having that good of a race car, but still maintaining that aggressive, uh, driving style of trying to push the tree, push the reaction time. Uh, when, you know, you, you kind of get that little bit like where you have the fastest car, you don't have to treat necessarily tree anybody. You just have to leave with them, you know? And I think that's where some drivers get caught where they go a little bit conservative and then you'll see them start losing on hole shots. But, you know, you want to watch you guys in, in the countdown, what you guys were able to do and maintain. I mean, going in shallow and cutting 50 and 60 reaction times in a funny car. And I can attest to that it is not easy to do. I mean, if you're if you're in shallow and you go 070s, that's pretty damn good. Right. You get a little bit of adrenaline going. You get the tune up right. OK, you know, 50s and 60s. But it's. It's not easy to do. And then to, with as many rounds as you guys were going to consistently do that every single round. Uh, yeah. I, to me, like that's the key part is Todd Smith and John o doing an awesome job, like making that thing consistent as, as possible. Because like up until Charlotte, I don't think we'd smoke the tires all countdown long. It's like when you're making that many runs down the track and you get that many cracks at the tree, it just makes you better as a driver. Where like you're not even thinking about it, like you just go up there and do it, and that's that's when it, you're at your best is when it becomes second nature, and you don't think about it. You just go up there, and it's just part of your routine, right? And yeah, I I feel like the last three races, like I couldn't even tell you like what I did, you know, staging wise or this and that. It's just like you're so focused on that thing. As soon as you see the light come on, like hit the gas, like it's the best feeling ever as a driver, right? So a lot of people are already talking about it, but so I mean the after party man <laughs> right yeah so you go out there crush everybody dominate it win the championship win the race win the last two races i mean won everything under the sun you know towards the end of the year but so then it's party time get the megarita back and yeah i feel like a lot of people there especially a lot of those young crew guys didn't know shit about the Megarita machine. It hasn't been out the last couple of years. Uh, like more like ten years. It, th- exactly. So when I heard that, <laughs> hey, Dell's going to get the Megarita machine, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be large. 
yeah, and and I remember when I first came out and started driving, and I I remember it was always the Sunday night party after Pomona, right? Was Dell's al- pit was always the best, right? And you know when I was with the Lucas team, you know we had had some parties in our pits, and various teams had parties in their pits, and I mean heck, I think even NHRA tried to do something one year where they put a little right. party in a white tent type yep. of thing, but it seems like the last couple of years. It's kind of faded off a little bit. So when I heard about this thing coming out, Dell's going to get it. You just kind of get that little giddy, like, here we go. Yeah, you know it's going to be large. Yes. And it was. It was. And I I believe we had three three cracks at it. Fired it up. I, was it three times they fired up? Something like that. We had people ripping the throttle. Heck, we even we even had we even had the Capco the Capco boys. Came yeah. over. Steve was right there front and center on the trailer. Yeah. And they they went out and purchased some for their they went to the store and got all the all the the essentials and came back and cause we ran out. And uh so they, they even had one. So I mean heck, even got the Capco Coletta group together. Yeah, it was it was cool, you know, like when Dell first brought that thing out, I remember like they couldn't get the mixture right at the tequila and ice and margarita mix and all that like they weren't all that good but they served their purpose right like those in pomona this year like they're spot on he's like yep we finally got the mixture right exactly like they were legit margaritas yeah and then i ended up going facebook live and someone just brought it up here on facebook <laughs> live but so we we go we go facebook live with nomex effect and I got the phone up, and I'm videoing it, and someone, as soon as I get the thing rolling, someone throws their hands up, cheering, <laughs> smacks the phone out of my hand. I'm reaching over to do it. My foot slips off the side. I about fell out of the back of the truck trying to get my phone. <laughs> but, oh, man, what a, what a cool scene, though. What a, it, it, <clears throat> Throughout the whole year, you know, there's one thing is, is through all the race teams, Man, it really is like one big family out there, right? Yeah, for sure. Everybody works together. You have some some heated moments throughout the years, you know, where some teams you have little issues here or there. People say things they sometimes mean, sometimes don't. Right. A lot of it's heat of the moment bullshit. A lot of it's heat of the moment bullshit. I mean, hell, like I said, we had some run ins this year. We had some but at the at the end of the year, we had some run in, you know. Capco was over there. We had some run-ins with right, them this year. Right. We got, you know, hey, at the end of the year, you shake each other's hands, you talk about it, you come over, fire up the Megarita. Right. Everything's all good. Dude, like seeing the videos from other people's perspectives that were there, it was like you're at a rock concert when they fire that thing up. Yeah. Everybody's cheering, fist pumping. Like, I mean, I, I haven't seen a single moment this year or the last few years that you get so many teams together as one in one area that like you said just is like one unison right fire the thing up right everybody's buddies then everybody's buddies like people you're you're looking at people out there that got their arms around each other beer in hand right. raised up in the air counting down to fire the thing up and it's just like man you know this is this is what makes drag racing great right yep. here is these stories, these times that everyone comes together, put all the bullshit aside, whatever. But we're out here having fun, and uh, so can't thank Dell enough. Hopefully, he'll take care of all the fines. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So back to Vegas and Dell. He came in to work with you guys. Yes. Like, it, how was that? Like, work. Dell's like 
one of the most awesome dudes to be around and work with. Yeah, so <clears throat> for me, I mean, obviously, being a kid growing up, a huge fan of the sport, obviously I've watched Dell for years and um, always been a big fan of him. You know, when he, when I watched him first start driving, he, he was the young kid coming in. And uh, so I've followed his career the whole way. But um, to be able to, you know, when I followed him, over at the Allen Abbey when he was driving for Allen Johnson and to follow him over to the Allen Abbey team. And I mean, you know, very, very, very humbling, but then, uh, racing against him. I mean, I have utmost respect for that guy. He's, he's one of the best drivers of all time. And, um, but now to him coming over and when they came to me with the opportunity of, um, Hey, we're going to have Dell come over and work with Nikki and work with Kurt and, uh, you know, have him be, you know, kind of just overlooking everything for on your car. And, uh, you know, what do you think? And it's just like, is, is this even a question? Yeah, that's not even a question. Uh, Del Worsham, like, coming to work. I mean, and not only does he bring uh, expertise to the, the, with the crew chiefs on working on the car, but different for various things. But I could, you know, it's, a, it's another thing for, like, you or I that we can go to, and I could talk to him because there's some – we were having issues in in Vegas. I mean, damn, I've been racing these things for 22 races now. And I hit the gas, and the car wants to go left. And, right. you know, why is it going left? Hell, I don't know. They're asking me, like, why is the car going left? You, you, it goes straight, and then it pulls left. And are you turning? Are you, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm holding on for dear life. I don't know what the frick I'm doing in this thing. <laughs> like, i damn near trying to just keep my eyes open. And uh, But then I go to Dell, and like, Dell, what am I doing wrong? I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so to be able to talk to him and he gives you this whole different perspective and where it kind of opens your eyes as a driver of like, oh, right. Okay. I get it now. I I understand. And, uh, but to be able to work with somebody of that caliber just absolutely, uh, you know, raises the bar. And, uh, so, you know, I don't know how it's all working out, but I, I, uh, I believe that maybe he's coming back next year. I'm hoping he's coming Man, back. I hope so. And, and I know I've. If they want my two or five cents or what, however many cents they want, I'm I'm putting it in for Dell to come back with us next year. Yeah, I mean, if he's not driving his own car, like I want him there helping us. Yeah, because in my opinion, that that's why those guys were so successful in 2015 with him driving because between him, Nikki, and Jono, that's three crew chiefs, and then one of them's the driver. Right, and I think you know he's pound for pound one of the best funny car drivers ever. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's just next year is going to be badass. You know, having having Dell Dell around, um, being able to work with you and I, uh, you know, work on my car. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you you had a, a phenomenal year. We got you know a little bit to improve on with ours. I got a lot to improve on as a driver, but I think you know, kind of working with him, dude. We're freaking badass, dude. And what also was cool was we tested parts on your car at the end of the year and then put some of those on our car there for Pomona and like right showed some big gains correct yeah exactly so that's that's you know huge benefit you know obviously with ours we just had a, a bad start to the countdown you know i mean we tested before Andy man we tested you, great yeah you guys ran really well had a hell of a car and uh just and i had some just kind of funky stuff happen um just with the car with some parts with this and that and you know i made a couple of dumb mistakes and you know we just um just put ourselves in a position where it's like okay you know we're we're uh 
we're Team JR over here. So, yeah, we started testing some stuff and figured some things out. And uh, fortunately, thing, they went good. We were able to help you guys out a little bit with, uh, you know, making sure these parts are good. And then they, they were a huge benefit. So, yeah, it's cool, man. It's a uh, has me excited about next year. I know that because I know that both our funny cars are going to be. There's no reason they shouldn't be right at the top where they need to be. Yeah, and I think that's dude. Next year, I mean, next year in funny cars going to be brutal. Uh, yeah, each year it just gets tougher and tougher. Well, because you know, like I, I think you look at it, and um, I would assume that majority of what ran this year are coming back next year, as far as I know. <laughs> but. You look at like, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where some of these people finished in points, but I'll look real quick. So, so you you got like, well, in, then you got there's going to be uh, I know at least one more new car next year, and uh, uh, I think what's his name, Mike McIntyre. Yeah, he bought a, a car and some parts from us, so I'm sure he's going to be a so that's a good part time car, part time car there. Um, yeah, but you look at like, um, I don't know what, if Yanni Lindbergh's coming back full time next year, I don't think they're going to run full time, but they will be at a, quite a few races. Okay. So that's basically going to leave you with, with, uh, um, 12, uh, full time. I mean, Cruz Pedregon, that thing started running good countdown time with Tommy D with Tommy D that, that started running really good. Tasca, right. Tasca runs good. Tasca runs. I mean, he Tasca makes some, was my hero there first round in Pomona. Tasca was your best friend. I mean, you need you need to go get like a a, a cool picture with your trophy and do some Christmas cards. Give I definitely one, need his address. Yeah, give him like a Christmas card or something. But uh, I, I mean, you look at okay, so you know we finished in tenth, but we ain't gonna do that again next year. Obviously, I'm rooting for ourselves. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, John Force number nine, right. The winningest driver of all time in Funny Car, number nine. Right. Okay. He's going to improve. Matt Hagen and, and Dickey. That thing ran good at the end of the year. Yeah. They and they struggled a little bit, too. But right. they were making good runs, but they also struggled. But, I mean, that's that's not a car that's an eighth-place car. No. Like, that's a – Matt's a hell of a driver. Dickey does a great job. That's a car that – that's a top-five car. Absolutely. I mean, Beckman, Beckman is, is a hell of a driver. And – um, I mean, cuts great lights, but I mean, uh, Neil and Guido, like they, they make solid runs. I mean, that's, that's a better car than, than a, a seventh place car. Right. They always throw down when the conditions call for it. Courtney finishes sixth. She well, dominated the year. The top 10 is basically all top five cars. That's, that's the point that I was getting to is that you have 10 guys and you even have, I mean, Tasca and Pedergon, you know, you can argue that they could potentially yeah. be a top five car you know i mean tj had a really fast car at the end of the year he almost but, finished second yeah and i mean you got caps and wilkerson too i mean hell caps makes good runs height you i mean that's next year i i'm gonna say next year so you have tasca and pedagon i don't think both of them are going to finish outside the top 10 next year i think there's going to be a surprise car not in the top 10 next year uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I mean, somebody that's going to make you say, oh, shit. Right. That's why I feel like that this class is the hardest class or the most competitive class in our sport. Yeah. A Pro yeah. class. Yeah. And then, you know, I know this is a subject that, you know, maybe we should touch on or not, but um, 
pro stock. Ooh. I mean, damn. Maybe switching gears a little bit. No pun intended. <laughs> but, I mean, Tanner Gray comes in, wins rookie of the year, wins a championship. In his second year. In his second year. Youngest winner of the championship ever. Flat, flat ass, I mean, a driving machine. Right. The dude in Pomona had a, a 020 light at one point. I think the semis. I think, I think, I'm almost positive, but outside of that, his worst light in qualifying and in eliminations was a 10. Yeah, I heard his grandpa telling Caps about that. We were in the staging lanes. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And that was in the final round. He was 20 in the semis, 10 in the final. He was 003 in the second round, and he was 002 in the first round. And I believe I had heard that in qualifying he was all like double O lights. Yeah, someone here just said that he averaged double O seven in eliminations. That's like that's bracket racing stuff there, bud. That is with a delay box. Yes. <laughs> he he's got a delay box in his left foot on a clutch pedal. This kid is freaking phenomenal. And he just And then he like goes like this. And then he he mic drops our sport. <laughs> And I ain't even mad about it because this kid's going to go run NASCAR, and I think he's going to do a hell of a job. Yeah, I think he will, too, because someone else asked me that. Like, how do you think he'll do? I'm like, well, I've seen him run those outlaw carts that Kyle Larson, those guys race down North Carolina, and he's good. So I think he'll adapt pretty well. Yeah. and it, Man. I mean, but then you, you look at the other opportunities. Like, okay, so, you know, here's your here's your next generation, right, coming up through – through pro stock, right? You have uh, Tanner Gray. You have Drew Skillman, who comes up through the sportsman ranks, runs Stock Eliminator, does a hell of a job, almost doubled up St. Louis. Yep. Runnered up. Uh, I think he won stock, runnered up pro stock. Or Something like that. vice versa, uh, regardless. Yeah, he won <laughs> in the sportsman car. Hell of a driver. Oh, okay, right. Hell of a driver. And then the other day you hear about Vincent Nobile knock. Coming back with, with Mountain View next year. Right. I mean, here's a class that you have your next generation, right? A little bit more on a budget level, feasible, than hopping into a you know, top fuel car. Not that any one is easier or harder, but, you know, I, you know, a little bit less budget. But you have... Okay, but is it that much less budget if you want to be able to compete with Tanner and Greg and Jason and those teams? And you want to do it full time? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what, what is it to to rent a motor? It's forty thousand dollars, I, I think, ish, r- roughly, to rent a motor, right? And then, um, but yeah, so this is your next generation coming through, gone. It's not good. Yeah, all three gone. So, what's what's next? Are you going to the next next generation, or you know? I mean, you you have Bo Butner that's also talked about maybe not coming back. That's your last two champions in that class that's not coming back potentially next year. Now, I have heard, you know, maybe with the reduced schedule that uh, Butner might be reconsidering, uh, you know, all hearsay, of course. But, um, I mean, what like what does it take to turn this class around? You have some, some great drivers in this class. Jed Coughlin, Erica Enders, Craig Anderson, um, 
you know, I mean, but you don't want to see this, that this, this class just die. So they say, well, let's go to EFI. Well, there's R and D into EFI. You got to figure that out. I mean, you only have a couple people that have their own engine program. So you got to lease, but the last couple of years, NHRA has taken money away from their purse. Right. And so now you have a, a scenario where, I mean, what I don't even know what they're paying now. I think next year with the reduced purse, they're going to pay fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. So is the overall like, is the championship purse is that cut also? I don't know, but what did it pay? I this don't even year? know what it pays. It's not anything. Yeah. So it's it's of course they're going to say, yeah, Chris McGehey might not be coming back as well. And I mean that's another guy that came from the junior dragsters. So, you know. Do you completely just revamp this and do you you can't get rid of the class, but do you go factory stock? Do you go mountain motor? Do you go pro mod? But pro mod's not even a class that they're not even even a real pro class. NHRA endorses this because the pro mod guys come in and pay NHRA to let them run. Correct. Like, here's money from all of us so we could come run X amount of races and then you pay us back $5,000 to win. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. And from what I hear, most of those guys, they don't want to go run 24 races either. So, like, what's the replacement? I don't know. That's, I, I mean, that, that that that's a hard thing is because it's like, okay, where where does the line get drawn in this to, to where it's like, okay, enough's enough of this. Like, we are losing our next generation. Our next generation, Tanner had a, a, a pretty good article on Competition Plus. And, I mean, not word for word, but basically, like, NHRA lost a chance to brand. Like, utilize us in on these runs that we're making and winning races to build a brand. Right. And to, to market these drivers. And it's like, so it, it's sad to see that guys like Vincent Nobile and Drew Skillman and, and Tanner Gray are, are now leaving the sport because they I mean they don't really see any positive in the fact of like to continue on racing cuz they they like they're out there kicking ass and haven't built up a brand from it. Yeah, yeah. he's probably going to get more recognition running that K&N car and truck next year being that he's a pro stock champion now right then he would you know what i mean like it doesn't make sense right i mean it's yeah i mean i'm watching i'm watching espn a minute ago logano is out there in new york doing a whole media tour yeah and they went to new york on a media tour before that race also the final four right and you're here doing a podcast with me so thanks bro yeah, I mean, this is... This is big-time shit, though. This is, like, top five media I've done since Pomona. Right. So, that's that. That's my point, is, like, we have this whole... One of the baddest freaking sports in the world. I mean... Right. Anybody that shows up to a racetrack says, holy shit, this is, this is awesome. I've never seen anybody show up and not like it. Correct. So, we got guys like Chuck Liddell... Tito Ortiz that come out to Pomona. They're blown away by this deal, right? Mm -hmm. We got guys like J.R. Todd winning the championship sitting here 
would love to get some media and love to push out NHRA. Well, we got NHRA saying, oh, well, we uh, we haven't been able to get you anything yet. I don't, you know, I'm sorry. You know what would have been cool? Be like ringside at that fight this weekend. You know what would have been? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, shit. What better way to market that? I mean, freaking light bulb. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right? Just saying. I, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling hot right now, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got long sleeves on, man. <sighs> yeah, I on? know. I know what you're saying, and it's frustrating. And like us as drivers, like we complain about it all the time because we want to see our sport be at that next level, like NASCAR and UFC fighting and all that, because we know it has the potential. But like, there's not a whole lot that we can do ourselves without. Right help from the organization right and the organization all you hear is like well we sent out an email but we haven't heard anything back <laughs> like that's all you can do and this is like a week or two after you've already won the championship what about the weeks previous like somebody's gonna win the championship regardless yes in top fuel yes in funny car in pro stock in pro stock bike correct so why so don't you have the, the, a the, whole the four plan. of you the four of you Whoever you are, you have to spend the next two days in L.A. Like, after the banquet, you're going on a media tour in L.A. And then you're probably not going to be able to do shit the rest of the week because we're going to fly to New York after that. Correct. Like, you're, you're booked up. Right. Just know that ahead of time. So, it doesn't matter who wins. We're no. not we're not We're not marketing any one individual. We're right. marketing our sport and whoever wins. Right. And it should be the same thing for a race. If you win the race... You stay the next day, maybe, and as long as it's a decent market. I mean, some markets we go to is, you know, a little bit bare, but some markets we go to are, are really big. And But I think with, yeah, absolutely, with this championship deal, I mean, boom, here you go. Here's here's an opportunity, front row UFC. I mean, what do they do at the UFC fights? They they promote the people. They put them on the pay-per-view, and that's all it takes is like, oh, who's this guy? J.R. Todd. What what 300 miles an hour? This guy's out of control. Like, what is this? Oh, they have a racetrack within 20 minutes from my house next year. I'm going. Bam. Yeah. There's your tickets. Yep. You Correct. know? Yeah. So, yeah, kind of like we went to the Pacers game the other night, and they did a deal during the timeout, which I thought that was cool. Badass. Like, that's you do that kind of stuff at UFC fights and events like that to make people more aware of what we do and get those young kids. Like, you want your younger demographic, that's where they're at. Absolutely. thousand percent. Make, yeah. make them aware. Show a quick little video like they did at that Pacers game. I guarantee you, you'll get at least at least one or two people that go to the race. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot more than that, right? So, so I mean, have have a game plan. We all know that there's going to be four champions at the end of the year. Yep. So you put together this game plan, and no matter who wins it, this is what's going to happen. We're already preset. Hell, we booked you. We got you on the A list on Southwest. Yeah, who gives a I shit? I don't give a shit if it's Spirit Airlines. Like tough shit. You guys have to fly this to New York, but. It's part of it. Yeah, exactly. But we're, I mean, a full-blown media tour and promote promoting the sport, promoting the drivers, building the drivers, building the brands. That's how you do it. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, we're, we're in a position where it's... Like, dude, Ron Caps was on Howard Stern, what, two weeks ago? Yes. Like, that's the kind of stuff you do with your champions. Right. If he got on there, someone knows how to get people on there. Right, so I all, know who that someone is. Correct. So all, all somebody, 
all somebody has to do is get a hold of the right people, and it can happen. I mean, and no offense to Ron Caps, but at the time, Ron Caps, what, fourth place in points. Right. And he's on Howard Stern. So, <laughs> you know, th- yeah, this this is another funny thing. So you look at like a, like these media tours. They want you to come in and do these media tours. Mm-hmm. NHRA says, hey, you know, come do these media tours. You get a like, free lunch. Yeah, you get a free lunch, and we'll give you some tickets. Like, you know, that way you can get your family into a race. Well, then they started taking away these these tickets from us. They're like, well, no, you should just show up for free f- to do all these things, it, like autograph sessions and all and all these things. So, I mean, we want to do them, right? But it's just every time we damn do these things, a little bit more gets taken away. Correct. So we're going backwards in that aspect. I mean, if we can't get a damn champion to one of the coolest sports in the world, and you can't get a champion. A mellow yellow champion, a first-time champion, a kid that's been in the sport since the junior dragster days. I mean, every step of the way has worked all the way up. What better story than that? What better story to tell a kid of, hey, starting a junior dragsters, work your way up, get on a crew, work on a team. Boom, here you go. Here's your opportunity. You're driving a top fuel car. That's the selling point. That's the story. Yep. And And that can't get sold to media. You got the wrong person doing it. Correct. So Haley Deegan, the girl that did the deal with us at Toyota Day a couple weeks ago in Dallas, I'm pretty sure I saw that she was at like the Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards or something like that. Right. Hello. That that's exactly it. I mean it's 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 broadening, it's making it mainstream. So it's CMT Awards. Figure out a way. I don't know. Larson was there. Figure out a way. <laughs> Do I know how to get it? No, I didn't go to college. I barely damn graduated high school. I know right. how to hit. Well, that's the problem is like we have to figure out a way to take it upon ourselves to do this shit to show that like, hey, like we can do this. Like someone like on your end needs to step up. Right. So, but that West Buck. All right, West West Buck's the man. West Buck. He's always got the greatest shit ever. So here, this is like what he says. Mainline media will do whatever they're paid to do. That's a fact. Okay. So does it put you in a position where maybe as an organization or as a team or as whatever, that maybe you suck up a little bit of pride and just say, okay, we're not as big as we think we are. Maybe we just need to slide these guys a couple Benjis or something. But at some point, it's how do you get that name out there? Right. There, there are certain names that are pushed and pushed in our sport that it's like, okay, like everybody knows who they are by now, you know, like let's move on to the next group of people. Right. Like eventually you got to start doing that. Correct. And I think that's where. Are you a household name? No, not. Am I? I? No. And yeah, I'm barely a household name in my own house. (laughs) Well, I live alone, so no one needs to know my name here. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, you know, how do you, how do you get it? How do how do you get to the point of, of, uh, being a household name, you know, what's, where, where do you, where do you take it? Where does that, I mean, is that strictly all through social media? Is that strictly through? I think like, that's a big thing. Like I, I'll admit, like I'm not the best on social media, but like it's something I'm going to work on because like other than Toyota, which is really good with our social media, like they care about it and they see like value in it. 
not many other people are going to help you with it. Right. And I, I think like social media nowadays is more important than TV. Like I'm not, you know, taking anything away from Fox and everybody at NHRA and what they do there. But I think like live streaming races is the way to go in social media and things like that than what we do on TV. And I think that's a, that's a great opportunity to also drive up traffic off of like, say maybe NHRA website is maybe to do some type of live streaming. That's not, I don't know. I mean, maybe a race that's not live or whatever. I mean, let's be honest. People, the majority of the people that watch the races, you're getting the numbers off of it's DVR. Yeah. That's why the numbers are so up. It's like they're inflated because the races now play more than one time. Right. And they're DVR. So it's, you know, do you, do you just maybe do a little bit of live streaming off of the website? You know, I mean, well, even our live stream that we have now, you have to pay for, but you can only watch it in the U.S., right? I think so. I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like whenever I've, all these bracket races are, I mean, you watch a lot of like sprint car stuff. and Absolutely. They have like outlaws. the best live feed I've ever seen. I mean, bracket racing is the best live feed. You got all these camera angles and you can watch it from beginning to end. You can watch it live. You can on the spot when you're watching it. Like what I'll do is I'll go back to my pit after a run and I'll have the live streaming on my computer in the motorhome. And then what I do is I'll watch the run. I just hit the rewind button or whatever, and I'll watch my run 20 minutes after I make the run. Correct. You know? I and would like to be able to do that at the track. Can't do that. <laughs> you can see it maybe next Tuesday. Yeah, I can't even come home and watch it that night or the next day. So, yeah. I mean, this is... <clears throat> like, Dirt Vision, I'm going to give them a nice little rub down here because I think they're badass. They'll have a chat like what we got going on here while the race is playing and there's people in Australia and New Zealand all around the world saying, yeah, we're watching from so-and-so. Yeah, right. Exactly. But, <clears throat> oh, did you know that Tony Stewart was at the banquet? I never saw him, but I did hear his name. It was weird. I did, I did hear that Tony Stewart was there. That's a different subject. But it looked like Tony Schumacher. Yeah, I mean, they all look the same. It was announced Tony Tony Stewart, though. Your number two finisher, Tony Stewart. Your, how many, does he have eight? Something like that. Top five greatest driver ever in our sport. <laughs> you can't get his name right. Uh, almost got it. Got the first half right. Yeah, the hard part. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. It's funny shit. All what? right. Well, yeah, we went from pro stock to that, but yeah, like we can talk forever about that and just get nowhere really. Yeah, so man, I I hate to see that for the pro stock class because I I was a, a I am a huge fan of that um, of pro stock. Man, I, I think I love what that class is. I love what it's about. Obviously, it's changed from how it started. Um, but man, it's 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 the way it's the technology. I mean, when you allow a class to have technology and you allow a class to make changes and to do what they've done, they're going to take it to the full extent. They're going to they're going to go to whatever extreme they can to create any type of advantage they possibly can. So, when you allow a class to get in yeah. a sense that far, they didn't do a good job policing it out of reach. Um it 
you, you can't blame people for wanting to spend more money and wanting to find an advantage to, to be more competitive and win races. And uh, it's gotten to a point, I think, now where it's just it's the, the class and the technology has outgrown what the sport's able to handle. And you have a class that that now um, leases motors for forty to fifty thousand dollars a race. Maybe it's thirty. Maybe I'm over speaking, but it's a lot of money. It's definitely more money than you can win that is offered to win. And it's like, is that a racer problem or is that a sport problem? Because yeah, you should have stopped a long time ago. Is it is it a problem that the racers got too greedy with trying to advance their car so much? that they blew it out of proportion or is it a, a, a problem that it wasn't policed properly and it got, it got let to be out of control or that just the class has outgrown the sport for what it's allowed because they're basically paying the same, they're paying less money than they did in the nineties now. Right. I mean, but you have a, probably a team budget in the nineties of under a million dollars a year to run a pro stock car. I would think so. Getting paid more money. Yeah, they're doing TV commercials and all kinds of stuff. Right. So where does the problem lie? And I think I think that the only way for that that class to uh, come back again is to find the root of the problem and revamp either from an NHRA side where it's like, okay, this isn't 1995 anymore. And what, what major sport pays $15,000 to win – a, a race i mean i let's be honest anything pays more than that anymore and you're talking about people that have over a seven seven figure budget so yeah is that is that something where they need to completely revamp their class you know i don't know man yeah i don't know what the solution is there i feel like it's a combination of all all the things you listed there's a reason for where that class is where it is now which is a good lead-in to the Nitro classes with the email that we got today. Yes. So, we kind of get up-to-date. Um, hell, I'm trying to find it now. We get up-to-date stuff. You know, emails here and there. Uh, top Fuel Funny Car Update. So, we get it from uh, NHRA. The tech department. The tech department. Um. I mean, hell, I don't know if uh, if I should even, like, read the whole thing. No, I would just, yeah, don't read the whole thing. I mean. Basically, there's no no rule changes coming for us. At all. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's good because basically like, what that email stated was, you know, they start out with the track prep. That was a way to slow us down, and it worked. Correct. And it took a while, I think, for uh, NHRA to get the track prep consistent and to get to where they wanted it. It also took time for the teams to adjust to it. Correct. Then once they did, more cars were making better runs. And by the end of the year, like I think it was badass racing. It was great racing. Absolutely. Cars weren't going 339 miles an hour and things like that. Like The speeds, like, yeah, they're around 330. There's a few over 330, but like... Within reason, you know what I mean? Nothing outstanding. Like, you knew it when it was a big run. Right, right. Which I think that's how it should be. And there was talk of them trying to slow us down by blower inserts and things like that. Yeah, so they've they've talked about um, blower inserts. They've talked about uh, reducing uh, the maximum rate of supercharger overdrive. 
And also uh, another thing would be implementing a maximum cylinder compression ratio. So, so the, yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. So these are these are three ways of what they're saying of potential ways uh, next year that they would. These would be the first three ways that they would try to slow the top fuel funny cars and dragsters down. Um, obviously, track prep being one of them. But as you all know, the crew chiefs will adjust to it. They will get faster. Now, at the end of the year, we were on some good tracks. So you're seeing some good times. I thought Pomona, Pomona's a, always been a good track. Right. Pomona's Pomona's racing was badass. I love it when you're when you're seeing guys and girls. Thousands in the fuel classes. Yeah. And then there's the opportunity to rip off the one hero run. Yeah. Rip off a 364 or whatever it was, 363. Or what did did Caps go? 380. 85, 84. 84, 85. That is, that's badass. That's what our sport needs. Now, you're not going to get that in the summertime. No. But, um, so obviously, the 330 thing is what scares them. The 330 mile an hour. Right, I feel like yeah. Once they are getting closer to three forty, that's when it's like, all right, we got a problem now. Correct, because we've been going three thirty for a while. Right, and now I do. Do I think that they want to con- us to continue at three thirty? Probably mm, not. Probably not. I think ideally for them, if they could get the speeds in the three teen range, right. three ten to three fifteen, I think that's where ultimately that's their goal. Um. I think there's enough talk between NHRA and pro and the crew chiefs that they decide, like, we can't make a knee-jerk reaction to this. Like, it's got to be thought out. Correct. Because when you make a change like that, it, it needs to be a change that's going to stick. You know? Right. I mean, like a thousand-foot change. You make a thousand-foot change, this is just the way of the future, and this is what it's going to be. Right. And it's so, got to be... Even for everybody in the classes. Right. And I know that a a big thing um, that they're obviously one of the most important things that they're trying to do is limit the big explosions. Correct. Um, So I think these are all ways that they're they're working on um, trying to figure it out. You know, obviously, NHRA, these are ideas. These are ideas that they have because of a lot of feedback with pro with crew chiefs. Uh, team owners um, and all of that. So, you know. And this is my opinion. Say you make one of those rules next year, whatever, like the blower insert. Well, that's not going to save. That's not going to cut down cost. Like the, the Another thing of way of slowing the cars out, like they think that's going to cut down costs and it's going to help the little teams in our sport, which I'm all for the little teams. I was that guy. Correct. We've all been there, right? Yeah. But those low buck teams are still not winning races when they change the track prep and all that jazz. Like the bigger teams still figure it out. And if you go and like do all this stuff with the blower inserts, like the bigger teams are just going to do more research on how to figure out to go fast with that part. Right. Because like they're going to get around it. Well, they're they're going to either utilize their blower dynos more or go buy a blower dyno or figure out ways around it, figure out ways that uh, to make more boost. Right. Like these crew chiefs are smart. Like you give them enough time and uh, like 
we're going to test more because we need to figure out how to make this thing work. And that's that, that's that cost goes up. Correct. That's where it drives all the costs up. So, you know, I mean, obviously there's uh there's a lot of ways to do it, but you know, you kind of start running into I mean, what what's really going to be the the best opportunity for everybody. Right. And I feel like you could go ask every crew chief in the pit area and majority of them will give you a different answer. And that's, I think that's the biggest problem is, you know, when, as a, as a sanctioning body, you're going out, you want to get everybody's opinions, but everybody's going to have a different opinion. Right. So it's which, which direction do you go? And, and, and what's the ultimate goal? And what do what do you, what are you looking to achieve? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's where you got to have somebody in the sanctioning body that uh, you almost need an ex-crew chief in that position that knows how these things run, what it takes, and doesn't care what all the other... What, I don't want to say doesn't care, well, but yeah. he can't be influenced by all the other crew chiefs. Correct. Like, nope, this is how it's going to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you look at. I mean, say somebody like, for instance, you know, uh, somebody like if Alan Johnson wasn't right. crew chiefing anymore, somebody like that being put in a position to say like, okay, look, I have no skin in this game anymore. I'm not crew chiefing on another car. No, nor do I look to in the in the future. Yeah, I'm done. And I'm not it. saying that in for any reason because we all love right. Alan Johnson right. being out there, just throwing out a name. But having somebody in that position of saying, like, either A, okay, yes, this is an opportunity, or heck no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yes. You know? Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I think I think this year, I think you've seen some great, uh, overall, even with the track prep, as much as we harped on in the beginning of the year. Yeah, we are, none of us were fans of it. No. But I think as it progressed on, uh, you know, I, I think... Once NHRA kind of worked with it a little bit better, crew chiefs got a hold of it a little bit better. You know, I think it it, it created an opportunity where you had some good racing in the end. Obviously, track temperature helped out a lot too, though. Right. I feel like we all knew that, like in the summertime when we were bitching and moaning about the track prep and all of us spinning the tires, that we knew later in the year that it was going to be better just because the tracks are better, the temperatures are cooler, and that always produces better runs. Right. So, you know, you, you look at like, Say, for instance, um, look at tracks like Bristol or uh, just throwing some out there, but Bristol, Norwalk, Chicago, uh, tracks like that. Like, it's like your hottest part of the year. Hottest part of the year. Okay. And is this an opportunity now that you take our sport to night racing? I mean, races like that, That's you should try it at one of them, I to- think. Take it to a two-day show, make three qualifying runs on uh, on maybe a Friday, or maybe even do two Friday, and then do one, do one Saturday morning. Saturday morning, right? But I, th- I think it's condensing a show, condensing a show into, you look at like a sporting event, you look at like Supercross. I mean, you're, you're basically, I think in this day and age, when you have an audience there, you have to be able to capture that audience in three to four hours absolutely maybe even less than that 
But I think with having a sport like what we have, I think you can capture an audience for four to five hours. But I also think you need a little bit of help because you're not going to get all that on track. So I think creating a midway, a, a good midway. There's got to be some sort of entertainment for them when not that sportsman cars or whatever are entertaining. But there has to be something for them to do when the nitro cars aren't running. Right. So maybe other than going and watching the crews work on them, maybe create a race that you do three qualifying runs, uh, maybe mid late day, maybe first round Friday night, and then you take it to an eight car field for Saturday. Yeah, that's that's and that's your show. That's what IHRA was when I drove uh, in two thousand. We ran. I think twice on Friday. I can't remember. I don't remember if we made another qualifying run on Saturday, but we had an eight-car field on Saturday, and we raced, started, like, later in the day, raced at night. Right, yeah. Like, the final was always at dark. Right. Which, to me, that's another way you save money, is shorten the event. Correct. But I feel like they're also worried about losing that gate. Well, to me, what's the most crowded day at our race? Probably Saturday, right? It always seems like it. And Sunday, like, you look in the stands by the final round, people are gone. I would agree with that. Now, that, and that's just a visual. Right. We don't, these are, yeah, I mean, these are no factual numbers. Right. I, yeah, I'm just like visually looking up in the stands and like, man, stands are empty. Yeah. So, you know, compared to what they were. Right. But do you, do you capture, I mean, maybe, maybe on a Saturday night deal, maybe you get, okay, so you lose out. You lose out a few hundred ticket sales over the course of three days versus doing two, but are you able to capture that in maybe beer sales, maybe uh, overhead of not, you know, having uh, the track run on Sunday? Um, right. Like, there's so many things like you're cutting down on paying your safety safari crew and all these insurance. Yeah, all that. Yeah. TV people. Yeah, so, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, you, you have a full-blown, I mean, you look at, like, what, um, like, watching a NASCAR race, man. It's like a full-blown, like, winter circle party, you know? Yeah, like, when you, you watch se- that Homestead race and you see the big celebration they have, like, man, like, why can't our stuff be like that? Badass. Shooting off fireworks and all that. Confetti cool everywhere, yeah. and, you know, it's just, but I think doing all that on the starting line and getting the crowd involved in it and allowing the crowd to come up and... I mean, yeah, we do that on Sunday, but maybe having like a live band out there on stage, uh, you know, I, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot of different, now these are all our ideas, but I think there's a lot of different ways to engage to the fans and, and, um, I think broaden, broaden up our sport. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be the same event every week in and week out 24 years, right? Like switch it up. Like got a concert this week or we got some freestyle motocross guys this week just something different yeah yeah i I think a lot of times we kind of run into beating the same dead horse all the time like i noticed they started switching up the driver intros there at the end of the year which like kind of on the right path doing that but nothing will compare to like what supercross does in my opinion yeah, like I, that's the whole reason. Like you, everybody makes sure that they're there at a Supercross race for the intros. 
Correct. You don't miss the intros. You do not miss the intros. Because it's badass. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, typically when we would go to Supercross when, when I lived out in California, you know, we'd try to get there a little bit early. We never went during the day and watched all the that practice. practice. Right. We never went did any of that. But we would go a little bit early, try to get into the pits, kind of walk around right. just to look at everything. Yep. You spend a little bit of time there. Then you go up in the stands, grab you a beer, and make sure your, your ass is in the seat for the, for the, the opening show. Yep. And then it's, you know, throughout, like, okay, so you kind of mingle around a little bit, and you'll you'll watch the, the first couple heats or whatever, and then you kind of, the LCQs and all that stuff, you kind of, you but know. But it's still not that long of a show from, like, intros to the main event. Correct. Yes, exactly. But you, you basically have, like, a like a three-hour right. swing for it. and But, you know, through the middle of it, you'll kind of walk, like, yeah. typically what we do, we walk around the stadium, check everything out, right. and and kind of mingle around a little bit. If you got any buddies there, say hi to them. But then you make sure your ass back in the seat for the main event. Yep. So, you know, they obviously got it figured out. But, they, I mean, and their their riders are well-branded, well-marketed. A lot of them are household names. Household names. Absolutely. Um, like, they're on commercials. Correct. <laughs> you know, I think one thing that would be really, really cool. I've said this for the last couple of years, but it's like, um, so, like, I watched our mellow yellow commercial and it's got like NASCAR stuff in it and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like that's another thing we talked about was like, that would be a good incentive to win the championship as all four drivers are going to be featured in the mellow yellow commercial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it changes every year. Correct. Yeah. It changes every year. Yeah. You win, you win a championship part of your media tour that you're going to do is you're going to make an appearance down in, in Atlanta, go to the Coca-Cola headquarters, um, go down there and meet with all the executives. And I think something that would be cool to kind of, and of course it's easy for me to say because I'm spending their money, but I think what, what we'd be bitching is you have some sort of uh, incentives for, for the, the Meliella champions, and you are able to be on the commercial for the following year, which is the main NHRA lead-in commercial uh and I'm kind of speaking out because I don't know all the, the TV terms, but um, maybe show it at the racetrack. Maybe show it on your on the big motel, like the Motel 6 Vision. Anymore. Whatever it is, the big screen. The big screen. Um, but you have an opportunity where all these all these kids are, all right, now, now you're on a commercial. You're on the Melly Yellow commercial. This is pretty badass. You have a one-year PSA with Melly Yellow, with Coca-Cola, and you do opportunities like that. So... Now, now you have an opportunity with Coca-Cola with, with that company and you're able to work with their executives. You're able to maybe go do some other things with, I mean, I know that, you know, like NASCAR drivers at PSA. So maybe you do some B2B stuff with NASCAR drivers. Maybe you do some stuff at different sporting events, but you're a Coca-Cola representative for a year. Sure. I think, you know, I mean, like I said, it's easy for me to spend their money, but I think it's a, it's a way if this is something that NHRA can push on them and say, Hey, this is. This this will really help our sport out because now we can utilize Coca Cola, which is one of the biggest companies in the world. Companies in the world, but utilize those assets um, to enable to uh, you know build the brands in our in our sport. I mean, you know, hey, what what, what would be more cool than having a kid? Well, obviously, like you, Steve Torrance, um, Matt Smith, and having a kid like Tanner Gray walking into Coca Cola saying. You know, Tanner Gray. Hey, I'm the youngest ever champion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by the way, I'm out. Oh, by the way, I'm going NASCAR. Jump on the bandwagon, bro. Yeah, come with me. You know, I think that'd be pretty, you know, just something out of the ordinary rather than just a plain Jane. 
Well, yeah, we'd love to give you a media tour, JR, but uh, we sent out an email and we haven't heard back. So uh, sit tight. We might be able to get you on. Uh, I don't know. Nomex. I'm just glad the Nomex, might be able to get you on Nomex. The effect. Nomex effect could squeeze me in. You absolutely on right. On a Tuesday evening, bro. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, another thing we got coming up here: PRI show and some other events here in Indy this winter. We're gonna have some uh, some cool guests on. I think. Can we tell them? No. Okay. We're not gonna tell you, but they're cool. Yeah. So tune in. Yeah. Make sure you uh, follow our all our cool stuff. All of our uh, go on to nomexeffect.com. One of them that I'm excited about is like he reached out to us. There, he, there's a first clue. It's a he. He. Yes. It's like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Can I come on your guys' show? Yes. Damn right you can. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the cool thing, man. Like a lot of people are, are reaching out to us now. Like, hey, I want to be on your show. We got some, we got some stuff we want to talk about. Oh, Shelly. I saw her in Pomona a few times. First thing she said was like, hey, did you guys get in trouble for that show in Vegas? Like, no. She's like, good, because I got more shit to talk. There's going to be a part two. Uh, Shelly Payne is coming on for a part two? That's what she said. Dude. So, I mean, it might not be till we go back out west, but she's going to be on again, I would say. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, I, I thought she was pretty mellow. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was I was uh, I wasn't sure. Right. So I was kind of thinking like. Okay, this is going to go one of two ways. <laughs> but we got done. We're like, yeah, I mean, that went pretty good. Right. But now she wants to have a part two, so I'm getting nervous all over again. Yeah, like, I think she wants to, like, ramp it up now. And we all know that she can <laughs> she can ramp it up. Yeah. Uh, she cracks me up. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. She's See, and that, that's a cool thing I love about that is, like, she's got some awesome, awesome stories. Oh yeah. I mean the the stories from back then. We can't tell these. I mean our stories are like, yeah, we got the Megarita back out. I mean, which is a good story. Right. But they got some really good stories. Like throwing an axe through a window. <laughs> yeah, uh try to try to do that in 2018. I like what Brad Littlefield says. So we should do the next Shelly broadcast from La Paloma. Cuz every time you go into La Paloma, which is a Mexican restaurant not far from the track in Pomona, they're there. They're there every time. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd be willing to do that if La Paloma would maybe give us some free taquitos or tacos or something. That'd be cool. Cadillac margarita to wash it down. <sighs> Tequila and I just don't get along, man. But how about those ICBs, though, bud? Oh, man. ICBs are dangerous. Some Irish car bombs the other night. We had a good time. We went out. We went out. Uh, it's like a little celebration. Yeah. We went out, had a good time. Richie was in the house. If I don't know if you guys follow us on our social media, but uh, Doug made a special guest appearance. <laughs> we kind of cropped him in there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, we had we had we had a good time though. That's cool, man. We obviously always have a good time going. You gotta out. have more good times like that. Yeah. PRI is coming up. That's always another good time. I mean, the show is whatever. It's the after show that's the good time. Well, that's the hard part. Is I mean it's it's kind of funny because you end up going and uh, um, ICB it's Irish car bomb. Yeah, I would like to class up the name a little bit. Yeah, um, don't do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's if you can make it through the night because it's funny you, you walk through the next day and you see everybody walking through inside a convention center with sunglasses. You're like everybody's struggling. Yep, he made it to closing or last call. 
That's why I like uh, Bonifani's booth because they got those couches there. You just go hang out over there and chill. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure you'll probably make an appearance over at West Bucks party as will everybody. Correct. That's that's the party to go to. Everybody's then, always talking about yep, it. Yep. I think Nikki has a party that night. Right. Then there's always a few other parties. Bonifani party. Then you're usually dead the rest of the weekend. And then you take a couple days for recovery. Right. Welcome to PRI. Yeah, I don't understand how people get deals done at PRI. It's like yeah. a big boondoggle. Yeah. I think that's that's majority of the time what... Like, it's a good excuse for guys, like, hey, I'm getting out of town, going to PRI. Yeah. Well, we don't want to sell people out because maybe if their wives are watching, be like, yeah, I a lot thought of time their wives are you with them. said you were going to work and you ended up <laughs> drinking the whole time. We didn't say they were drinking. Yeah, they were just watching other people drink, maybe. You just said they were tired. Ah, oh, James, get Shirley on the show. Oof. Mm. I heard that might be bad. I mean, I'd love to have her on. I mean, she's... I'm just, all for having legends on the show. She's got a lot to say. Indeed. We could we could probably do that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know. Oh, you know what we should do? This is a great one. Mikey had this idea. Uh, Stevie Fast. <laughs> that would be good. I think that'd be awesome. That'd be really good. I mean, I, dude, I, I think that, I think that, you know, who I want to have after seeing his new device is Tim McCamus. What was that? I wa- I seen a you little. Didn't watch that? Okay, I saw a the little tea bit. bag. I <laughs> I saw a little bit of that. What? So explain it. I'm not explaining it. Just everybody that hasn't seen it. I think his page is Tim McGamus Race Cars, and watch the video. You didn't watch it. I watched a part of it. So it's basically a, a device that tells it, it's you. It's like it's like uh, what's the? It's Amazon Alexa. It's like one of those, right? But it's for you know like for the work, pe- working on your pro mod. He tells you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Dude, hilarious. That, that's awesome. All right, so where where do they pick those up? Where do you or is he really selling stuff like that or? Dude, you have to watch the video. Oh, man, I got to go check it out now. <laughs> it's on his Facebook? He has a Facebook page. All right. Don't hey. play it right now. No? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all right. I'll check it. I'll check it out later. Did, hey, yeah, so obviously some people know what you're talking about. For you kids on here, you don't go watch it. Okay. It's not must, how you, it's not how you work on your junior dragster. It must be eighteen. So, uh, we had a fantasy winner. Yes, we did. We've been slack on our fantasy winners, but every, there have been winners every week. Yeah. So, uh, Pomona's winner. There's a three way tie, I guess, and uh, he won on reaction time. O forty five light for top fuel, which Torrance had like a O twenty nine, I think. Pretty sporty. Somebody put the link up for my games. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. There's the link. All right, click on the link for anybody that's curious. Uh, Walt Sliz... <laughs> I can't say his name. Just Sledinsky. spell it. S-L-E-D-Z-I-E-S-K-I. If that's you, <laughs> get ding, hold of us. Ding, ding. You win. I'll email you uh, later. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so congratulations. Yeah, and thanks to uh, our website guy, Alton, for taking care of that for us. Yes, Alton's been a big help for us. We're uh, we've been on the road. Jr's been kicking ass. 
I've been out watching him kick ass. You lose track of days when you're like gone out west for two weeks. It does, man. It flies. It, yeah. So yeah, Alton's done a great job. He he keeps up on our keeps all our website stuff going. Keeps us always informed, even though he's he's always texting us stuff to do, and half the time we don't because. We don't, but or we just forget. Or we just forget, but yeah, he's badass. So it's, it's but yeah, thank you for uh, taking care of that. We'll have to come up with some cool things for people to do this winter time on our website. Yeah, yeah, we definitely um, we're about running out of, of all of our stuff. So uh, if if you're ordering stuff, we we got to get a new uh, order in on t-shirts and hats and stuff. Um, we're getting... I know people were asking about international shipping, which we don't have that yet. No, got to figure that out. We're still in the beginning stages of this, so bear with us. Well, we could probably talk to Richie. Maybe if you live in Australia, we'll just send yeah, some we'll, stuff with Richie. We'll just throw it in with a shit box of Doom shirt. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give you shit away, but order a Nomex effect, we'll give you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Richie, just sh- ship this off, bro. <laughs> but yeah, back to what you said, Stevie Fast. He would be a a fun, entertaining guest. Yeah, we got we got some some ideas. We got some uh, actually some great uh, potential guests that that have reached out to us that would love to be on our show. So um, obviously, it's going to be more of like a timing thing. And uh, dude, the first guy that really bugged us to be on here, we never had him on. Yep, but he will be on maybe sometime soon. Not him. Oh, like Tanner. Tan, yeah. Like, he was always nagging us before we even did this. Yeah, Tanner was always want. you know what? So now, he, like, we're going to have to do a call-in because he's big time now. Well, yeah, we'll do we'll do a call-in. But, yeah, no, I, I feel I feel like uh, middle of the year Tanner would get, would have given a different interview than oh, yeah, end, yeah. end of the year Tanner. This might be more, yeah. So I think this this one would be more PC. That's when he right. was wanting to come on the show. He was going to let it fly. Yeah, he, he was, uh, was going to let it fly like, like his him shutting his doors on his pro stock car, but I feel now he's he gent- gently shut him and right, that's true. But it'd still be a still be a, a a good show. Maybe oh you know maybe maybe we should just start bringing our stuff down there and we can we'll just do random interviews at the PRI show. I mean, all we need is a phone. I was thinking that as well. We could walk around the show and talk to some people. Just go straight live from the show, right? Maybe maybe we'll just go straight live from the show. We'll start interviewing who, yeah, like guys like Loans, West Buck. I think it's a good idea, dude. Fryberger put that video of the Megarita machine, and it got like, I think it's up to about seventy seventy five thousand views. I feel like, yeah, the Megarita machine is its own. It needs its own Instagram page. It does. That thing is not marketed correct which it doesn't need to be it's low-key well i think it's not for everybody yeah i think that's just one of those things that you just don't talk about until it comes out yeah and it was about a month or so ago dell had a party at his house i've been to his house he lives in orange county like in a neighborhood i wasn't there when he did this but he fired it up in his backyard oh god (laughs) can you imagine that Dude, I mean, yeah, the neighbors had to have loved it. I would have loved it. I just, you know, I mean, some people set up lemonade stands. Some people set up margarita stands. Yeah. 
Start selling for a buck out in the front yard. And the cool thing about it, like, I forgot about this until uh, I was watching something. A couple of my crew guys gave interviews while the margarita was there. Like, the parts on that thing are, like, they have meaning. The injector hat is one of uh, Blaine's injectors, I'm pretty sure. No kidding. Yeah. Holy crap, that's awesome. Right, and the headers on it are drag boat headers. Like, there's a lot of cool parts on it. It's not just, like, crap put together. Maybe he should bring that to Pomona, and we should have loans do, like, a tech, or Bruno do, like, a tech piece on this and explain the whole thing. Yeah, that would be cool. Before it's all said and done, like, that thing needs to be in the museum. Absolutely. I I absolutely agree with that. That'd be badass. All right. You got so, anything else? So, yeah, no, I mean... Uh, I don't think I got any, we got any other questions on here or, uh, anything. So yeah, guys, well, we, uh, got the holiday coming up Thanksgiving. You're off to go racing, of course. Yep. Going to go do a bracket race, uh, Thanksgiving bracket race, trying to figure out when the heck I'm supposed to leave. Cause obviously it's going to be a nightmare. I hate sitting in traffic. Traffic sucks. Um, so yeah, so yeah, go do a little bracket racing this weekend. Come back home, have a couple days off, do PRI show. We got company Christmas party. Dude, we got bowling coming up. I forgot about that. Yeah, we got bowling Tuesday nights, so we're probably gonna need to. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to change the night of the show for everybody listening and watching. Yeah, it will no longer be on Tuesdays. Coming up here soon, so we'll probably uh, I don't know either go Wednesday or Thursday nights. Yep. So. We're, we're going to keep the same time, but we're just going to change it due to bowling. It's a very important thing for us in the off season. It is. Uh, we take it 100% serious, uh, full competition. So uh, It's definitely a sight to see. Oh, yeah. Like, if you were to explain it on Twitter or Instagram or any of those, you'd have, like, the poop emoji and then show next to it. Yes, a.k.a. shit show. So, yeah, so we definitely... Uh, have like a full point standings thing and I mean well, hell yeah the chocolate hammers finished second last year. Yeah. Yep. How'd you so, do? I think we were second to last. Oh. <laughs> oh, and I was texting with uh PBA Pro last week. Might be making a guest appearance sometime this winter. Who's oh Sean? Yep. Sean Rash. Yep. Dude, that'd be awesome. He's gonna is he playing on your team? I mean, we might make sure someone's sick that week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that ain't going to be good. That's some free points right there. If anything, you just come give us pointers because we all suck. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's... Except Stretch. Yeah, st- yeah, Stretch average is like 220. But, yeah, no, it's a fun way. You know, I mean, get all the crew guys together, get a few of the drivers together. And it gets you got, out of like, the house in the wintertime because there's not shit to do in Indianapolis in the wintertime. Right. Yeah, so... Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, got uh, what do they have like ten or twelve teams that they put together and end up go bowling. So yeah, fun little thing to do in the winter time. Kind of. Yeah. Keep, mostly crew guys, a few us drivers, some crew chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep kind of keeps the competition rolling. Gives you a little bragging rights over the the off season. Obviously, Jared had all the bragging rights from the season. So try to you know try to keep up with him in the off season. But going, uh, going for the double up. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. Well, man, I think we I think we about covered everything. I think uh, make sure you guys um, stay tuned. We'll announce um, what night we're going to change it to. We're not really sure, but we just got to change it from Tuesday nights um, just for the bowling league. But we're probably change it Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, make sure you tune in to uh, nomexeffect.com for any updates or tune into Instagram, uh, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, all the good stuff. So make sure you uh, like our pages, do get, all that cool stuff. Get you some T-shirts for stocking stuffers. Get you some T-shirts for stocking stuffers. We got hats. Again, we we got to put in a new order, so we will do the best that we possibly can to get out all the Christmas orders. We're running low. Um, I got to get off my ass and order some new stuff, so I'll do that this week. And I uh, think we're good, man. Um, congratulations to J.R. Todd again on a badass year thanks buddy dude killed it awesome to see um i don't know you got anything else to say man it's about it man it was a lot of fun this season for sure especially having you over there in the funny car class like i feel like that helped raise the level of the whole class and definitely made me a better driver and uh we started this podcast and here we are now so we're gonna have some fun this winter doing that because between uh this and bowling like i said there's not much going on here yeah, yeah, so we'll have fun. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see uh, you guys at PRI Show. Make sure if you uh, see us, stop by. Tell us that you uh, like the Nomex Effect because we enjoy talking on it. So we want to keep doing it. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, we'll see you guys. Uh, if we don't see you at PRI Show, we'll see you next year. But we'll definitely be uh, podcasting it up this wintertime. So thank you, guys. See you guys. <laughs>